Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bel Air, Season 2, Episode 4. Don't kill my vibe, it's over, but we are just getting started here on Bel Air Post Show Recap. I'm Chappelle, and this is a story all about how we recap Season 2 of Bel Air on Peacock. And with me is my road dog on this journey through Bel Air. It's Puya. Puya, what's happening? Yo, man. Um, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Bel Air still giving us what it's supposed to give us, and I'm very much enjoying it. And uh, I'm not here to ruin your vibes, nor mine. And I think we're just going to be elevating the vibes of everybody listening. So it's going to be a good episode. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Puya, before we get into the episode a lot, did, like, how'd you feel about the episode? Just general, broad strokes. Not too not too much in depth, because of course we're going to talk about all of that in just a second. But what was your general feeling about this episode? All right. Now that I've said generally that uh, it's been good, vibes have been up, uh, Probably my least favorite episode of the series so far. Mm, okay, yeah. why is that? Mm, I feel like some some of the energy of the last episode where we left it kind of died out and we kind of mellowed it out here. This was very much a we're just moving the plot. And by that, I don't mean any new developments came up. It was just kind of like slow compared mm. to the action-packed like first three episodes, I feel like. Okay, okay. I, I'd love to talk about that with you in just a moment. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, we back. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for checking out the pod. Thank you for downloading the pod. Thank you so, for subscribing to Bel Air, a post-show recap, wherever you get your podcast, and to post-show recaps, uh, you know, the main feed, because why not? And thank you for all the five-star reviews. Keep them coming, because they keep Puya and I in a job. And because, um, you know, some, sometimes these reviews are hard to come by. And also, Puya sent me a link the other day. We got some breaking news. Puya, we're coming back for season three. We're already in. We're locked in. Doesn't matter how the rest of the season goes. Season three is guaranteed. Yes, and I'm assuming it'll be around this time next year. Puya, I don't know how long we could just wait all year for a season. Like I feel like Bel Air starts so early in the year that by the time you talk to it, talk about it again, you've forgotten not so much the plot, but just. Like how into the show you were, you know, because it's it's like so much happens between between like what April and and January. Yeah. So I was kind of like, what what are we doing here? Why is it? I, I'm hoping that it's not going to be so long, but I don't know. I we waited this long. They might do it again. Yeah, I hope so too. My my thing is potentially does Bel Air benefit from being split into two halves, mm. where instead of every nine months. <laughs> we we get an episode or a season how about every five months we get five episodes i feel like that could potentially keep us you know in the conversation keep it on top of mind and then it's still going to be exciting when they drop and i feel like if you have good mid-season finale and season finale it'll make the wait worth it right and then i'm wondering what the end game is already because we're two seasons in peacock has renewed it for a third season 
But honestly, I don't know how long you can drag out Bel Air with, you know, Will and Carlton potentially graduating. All the kids will be out of the house in, in a sense. So unless, you know, um, Hillary moves into the pool house, you know, or something <laughs> like that, I don't know if we're going to be following them off to college and all that stuff. And then I also don't know if that appeals to me. You know, uh, it's we're too far out to be talking about it right now, but season three is coming. And so I don't mind speculating. Um I do wonder if we're going to have the same showrunners next time because, you know, we keep switching them up. It could be could be a one year position. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's the defensive dark arts of Bill. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, again, thank you all for subscribing. Go to postshowrecaps.com to check out all the other uh, Bel Air like in our archives. Um, and then, of course, tune in uh, next week when we talk about season five. Now, we do have to apologize. It's been a little bit. You know, we we took a little break. I know we didn't tell anybody, but b- schedules were busy. It was a lot going on. And so we're going to try to drop the next episode's uh, podcast very soon. So, yeah, if you were expecting episode five today, you're getting episode four. And in a couple of days, you can get episode five. And you'll be all right. It's a vibe, right? Yeah, we're going to, you know what? We're going to make sure that this uh, this is binding. You'll get episode five on Monday. Yes. Okay. Episode five on Monday. I'm I'm hold I'm hold you to it. And I'm hold the listeners to it to keep. And us I'm gonna hold you to it. Yeah. We got we got to keep ourselves accountable um, so that we can deliver this good content. So Puya, are you ready to get in Bel Air? Let's do it. All right. We'll do it right after these messages. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Okay, so this episode starts with Will being suspended after the blackout. He wants Carlton to tell his folks, like, Will was basically doing it to help Carlton out. But Carlton brings up the fact that Will just wanted, or the opinion, I guess, that Will just wanted to stick it to the man and be defiant because it's basically fun to, you know, to, you know, go against authority. Um, And so these two have different opinions about what happened. Now, if you remember last episode, Carlton was having a panic attack. He was supposed to be doing a speech in front of the BSU in this big protest. And he was getting pressured by both sides. The school was saying, Carlton, you can protest, but just how we want you to protest. And no signs, no chance. And the BSU was saying, we're trying to protest. And now we're out of stuff to do. We can't can't do chants. We can't make signs. So we just walked out for nothing. So Carlton didn't know, should he he do the speech? He didn't want to put his potential scholarship in jeopardy. And then he also didn't want to look bad in front of the BSU. So he was in the middle. And we look up, and he's having a panic attack again. Now, we've seen Carlton, uh, you know, struggle with anxiety. And, we've, you know, that's a part of this storyline for sure this season. But Will, who is supposed to be watching Carlton, he goes and I guess he takes the bullet for Carlton by running up to the roof, hanging a sign, and then starting the Black Lives Matter or the Black Teachers Matters uh, chance. And so now he is suspended. So, Puya, which side of this argument do you land on? Is it Will was basically just trying to, like, usurp authority or was he really trying to help Carlton out? He was not trying to help Carlton out. Nah. If he was trying to help Carlton <laughs> out, this man would have been like, yo, listen, like you are going through it. 
forget all these people. You are what matter. No, he could have easily stopped doing the giving Carlton anxiety, like, mm-hmm. bef- like right as the blackout stuff was building up. So I refuse to believe that he was helping. And because I would say Carlton was supposed to speech. Will could have speeched. Will did the most. Mm-hmm. Will went to the rooftop and pulled a sign out and then started a chant. So, nah, this was Will kind of maybe stealing the spotlight a little bit, but also being very much in the moment, wanting to, you know, get the blackout done proper, whether or not Carlton was going to be at the face of it. Yeah, um, Carlton even brings up that Will doesn't even know the teacher that he was protesting for. So why is this <laughs> yeah. such a big deal? <laughs> like you're like, we gotta save Miss Hughes. What's she, what's her name again? Miss Hughes. Miss Hughes. Right? Miss Hughes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I think Carlton has a point. Will, this was for you. And I mean, it's very obvious that Will is a very flashy individual and he loves attention. And so throughout this season, even last season, you know, with him dressing how he wanted to dress and this, that, and other, he's not really one to fade into the background. And so I'm not surprised that he did what he did, but that does lead to him being suspended. And he seems like he's surprised. Now, Puyo, I remember the administration <laughs> saying, if you if you walk out, you will be suspended and you won't be able to do any extracurriculars. Now he's suspended and he can't do any extracurriculars. And he's like, well, why? What did I do wrong? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a kid, right? Kids are mm-hmm. going to always be like, but wait, really? You were serious about that? That was actually <laughs> going to happen? Yeah. I, w- when the adults say this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even if he wasn't protesting, Puya, getting on top of the roof is wild. Just going to the, the roof of your school is a danger, you know, it's a hazard, all that kind of stuff. So you, you could really get in trouble for that. I think like, he would have got suspended regardless. regardless yeah, exactly. <laughs> You were you were begging to be suspended. <laughs> um, even Uncle Phil says it. You know, Will is like, oh, man, I think the coach is just trying to get back of me. That's why he's kicking me off the team. But, Will, you had one damn job, and that was to look out for Carlton. You made this so easy for the coach. Now, Puya, I don't know if you agree with Will, but it does seem like Will and, Carl, uh, Will and um, the coach have been, you know, kind of at odds this whole season. I don't know. Maybe Will has a point that he was, you know, kind of – on the coach's bad side and so it wasn't so hard to get rid of him here's the thing right yes they have been at odds but the coach is smoking the good stuff if he really Mm -hmm. thinks they're gonna get anywhere without will on the team so i don't think he would have let will go here i think the school forced it and i think the coach has no choice but to abide by the school yeah because it makes no sense for you to be going into the playoffs potentially going to win this championship and you get rid of your star player because, Oh, we've been at odds. No, he broke the rules because if any, if, if you don't know anything about a coach, they're going to do what it takes to win. And they, oh, will yeah. they will overlook a lot of stuff, you know, <laughs> in order to get that done. So yeah, I don't think this is right. I think will is just kind of projecting. And he's not really good at taking accountability. No, he's very much trying to find any reason that this is a conspiracy against him and not so much a damn, yeah, the consequences they said my actions would bring. Yeah, they they that makes sense that they delivered on those promises. So yeah. Um, so this of course upsets Will. He looks dejected, he's suspended, he's basically the fall person for this whole movement. And while things are looking bad, he's walking down the hall with Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv because they came to appeal the suspension. Uh, spoiler alert, it was not upheld. I mean, it was not it was not overturned, it was upheld. Um, and so they're all walking out of school, but when he turns the corner in the hallway, um, it's just like 
a crowd of just, you know, support. Everybody. Everybody in the hallway is clapping for Will. They're so proud of him for being the face of this revolution, uh, if you will. And they love that he stood up for what was right and took one for the team. Um, he's basically the face of change at Bel Air. And speaking of faces, right behind him, just a little blurred out, I love this shot, is Carlton. <laughs> Not the face of Bel Air anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, if you're Carlton in this situation, you kind of got the the worst of it from the side of being a part of the blackout where you riled everyone up, you pumped them up, we're going to do it, it's going to happen, and you're going to do the speech. Then you didn't do it, but people forget that you were ever involved with it in the first place. This has now become Will's operation completely. Carlton is the guy who, once again, said he would step up and look out for us, and then when it came push to shove, didn't. But he also knows that that wasn't, like, well, I guess... Carlton he can as a kid as well be like I was totally gonna do it you took it from me I was gonna do it Mm -hmm. we both know that the reason he got the panic attack was because he wasn't sure if he was gonna do it and I think he wouldn't do it I think panic attack aside he wasn't gonna do it so now he has that plausible deniability and the panic attack and the embarrassment and the shame and we'll have to watch his cousin once again be the top dog of the uh, academy yeah, and are we alluding to more Will and Carlton beef? Last season, it was Ooh. intense. Right, tomato, tomato, tomato. You know, uh, last season was so intense, and now we keep having these moments where it's like, Will, you're trying to show me up. Later on, Will makes breakfast, and Carlton said, are you trying to make me look bad? You know, it's little subtle things that are happening, and then they always like just get back to being cousins, right? It's like they're taking little jabs, or Carlton, I feel like, is taking maybe little jabs at Will, who is, you know, being Will, kind of, you know, being at the forefront and overshadowing people, you know, whether that's good or bad. Um, so it does feel like there's a potential for this to, you know, come to a head. Yeah, I mean, it's I think that's where it's leading us. And I think it's going to be more one sided than anything again, with mm-hmm. it potentially being Carlton who's going to do it. And I think we did see a lot of steps in the direction of Will is taking doing the best with what he can do and therefore looking good in front of Uncle Phil, in front of the school, in front of Aunt Viv. And Carlton's doing all the right things, but he might get overshadowed here, and I think that could cause another feud 2.0, which, again, if I wasn't clear, I am not here for. No, the first season, I hated Carlton. I had a good hate into Carlton. I called him It's because you saw yourself in him. Come on. I, I did. I did. I was, I have, I too, you know, won the uh, Founders Award, valedictorian of my schools, Cal Ask President. You know, that's my thing. Uh, oh, I did really, not know that. Because it's a lie. Just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See myself in Carlton, please. I'm the class clown. If anything, I'm less like Will. I'm more like the guy who got suspended because he, you know, was streaking or something i don't know so that's neither of these people is me in this story so uh elsewhere in Aviv's studio we see that it looks like she's struggling to put together her art show it's a lot of work and i'm assuming this was the kind of stuff reproject look was supposed to be doing because now that he's around he's not around she does look like she's kind of struggling to keep this up and you know, she probably wouldn't have to struggle as much if Will wasn't just hanging around with nothing else to do but look at videos on his phone without his headphones in. Puya, this is a pet peeve. A crime. A crime. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? I hate I, when people do that. I hate it so much. I'm a big headphone guy, period. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be using headphones when I'm home alone. I don't need to hit my music on loud. If it's a lot of my uh, headphones, I'm great. But 
this is awful. Like, if I'm sharing this space <laughs> with anybody, put your damn headphones in. Yeah, especially if it's my space. You know, he was in her studio. What are you doing? Yeah. So, so Will's upset. You know, that's why he's hanging out because getting dropped from the team will potentially mess up his future. And the fact that Uncle Phil won't really let him be mentored or managed by Doc. Uh, you know, it's really starting to bother him. So Aunt Viv is the one who actually brings up Will playing for the AAU teams. Like, well, since you can't be in school right now, or since you can't be on the basketball team at the very least, um, it might not be a bad idea for you to go and try to play basketball elsewhere. There have been a lot of basketball icons who came from AAU, Puya, um, because it gives kids a chance to play basketball year-round. You know, um, there's more games, more practices, more workouts, and there are more opportunities to hone their skills. And so that's why this is kind of a big deal. Are you familiar with the AAU? No. So is this like a sort of league that happens year-round outside of, like, the school team and everything? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, like, different divisions of the AAU as well. So AAU is, like, the big one. And then, like, there's, like, smaller, like, factions within it. A lot of them tied to shoe deals and stuff like that. Um, but there's some good AAU alumni. So long-ass list. I couldn't possibly go through it all. But just some stand out. Yeah. Dwight Howard. Uh, okay. Ben, ben Simmons. Ray John oh, Rondo. Okay. Yeah, okay. Dame Lillard. Jeru Holiday. James Harden, and of course, LeBron James and Stephen Curry and Seth Curry. It's a lot of point guards. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like it gives you the chance to hone your skills, you know, to be the the like like the best, you know. And so a lot of these are kind of expensive, you know. It's like it's like a private league, you know, and it has its own circuit and everything. But anybody who's anybody is probably tied to an AAU team because that's how you get the edge over everybody else. You practice more, right? And so this way, when school is out, you're still playing basketball. And so this kind of is the position that Will is in right now. Will can see that Uncle Phil doesn't trust Doc and wants to block him from working with him. And then Viv can see how much it means to Will to get back to basketball. So before they can figure out what they're going to do, they're interrupted by Uncle Phil, who wants Will to get off the couch and make himself useful around the house. And this is relatable content for me. Puya, have you ever been suspended? No, I was too scared. I was a goody goody. I, I have been suspended. And okay. um, Can I and ask yes. what you did or is that too much? Uh, which time? Okay. Uh, <laughs> tell me one of them, maybe the one of the more like you'd be willing to tell us times. Um, In middle school, I got suspended because in when middle they, school it was a yeah it was the first time you didn't start early you know what i'm saying okay. it was like not elementary school it was like sixth <laughs> seventh grade maybe you know okay so yeah so when they drop you off on on school campus you're not supposed to leave because we're in seventh grade right you didn't leave the campus you know yeah and so i got there and i had the bright idea to go to leave campus and go to jack in the box they had like an attendant who would stand at the end of our street, like at the at the gate at the end of our campus, kind of, uh, to make sure no kids went out. And I've been waiting on him to slip up all year. I've been waiting on him to slip up because it was just my mission to get to that Jack and Box. I don't even like Jack and Box today, um, but back then I had to get that ultimate it's cheeseburger. A thrill. I had to get that ultimate cheeseburger, Puya. It was the thrill of it. Cheese, meat, cheese, meat, cheese, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? So the guy leaves, and I just book it i take off and it's me and like two other guys and we are running i'm talking about like bucking it across the uh the schoolyard getting a jacket box they're like celebrating and stuff like that the moment we got back out of jacket box that man was standing right there waiting on us he collected <laughs> our bags he took the jacket box 
and he sits my ass home. <laughs> Damn, so, you didn't even get to eat it? No, he took that food from me immediately. The um, Yeah, so didn't get my ultimate cheeseburger at all. Didn't even get a breakfast, Jack. Now that I think about it, two tacos would have been nice. Anyway, sent me home, and my parents were very much like this, or at least my, my mom and my stepdad. Uh, they, they both were under the impression that if you're in a house, you should be cleaning it. And so um, <laughs> I was not surprised that Uncle Phil just basically just comes up with a chore list. But yeah, he gave the maid the day off. So we'll I love it. This. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, but I'm also confused because mm-hmm. here's why. I feel like Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv were very pro-blackout. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, bring everyone to our house. We're like the HQ. We'll set all the th- stuff up. We'll put up the signs. Um, so they were like in working with it. So I'm mm-hmm. a little bit confused as to why Uncle Phil is now punishing him. If this was an a-, a regular suspension, I fully think Uncle Phil's doing the right thing and Aunt Viv isn't. But also, they're not even on the same page. So that's not helping. No. And it's not a punishment, Puyo. This is literally a black man saying you should be moving around. I'm telling you, if you were at the house, you are supposed to be cleaning it. That's just the house I grew up in. So this was relatable content. It's like, (laughs) I will make stuff for you to do, but you're not just going to sit here in your drawers. And Will was fully dressed, but he said, you're not just going to sit in your drawers and do something and do nothing all day. And I mean, it's like every black father has said that sentence to their child. And I just, I flinched. Um, Puyo, I have like changed (laughs) Change oil in a car on my day off of school, you know. Like, oh my, my god, my stepdad used to put me to work, okay. And and again, you like pouting and like, I want to be watching TV, I want to do all this stuff. It is not even a punishment, it's just Tuesday. So, I was not shocked to see this happen like this. Um, Will does end up getting to the chores, he cleaned out the fridge when he gets a call from Doc, who already knows Will has got kicked out of school. So, Doc's like, I got ears everywhere. He hadn't heard from Will in a few weeks, and he says the offer is still on the table if Will wants to work with him. He tells him to get with Uncle Phil so that they can talk more about the opportunity, and Will knows that's going to be an uphill battle. But, Puya, when they hang up the phone and that camera pans out, and you see Aunt Viv sitting on that couch, I screamed because <laughs> I thought she had folded, Puya. I thought Aunt Viv was, I thought she was over there, man. I thought she was weak. I thought she was with that man. I thought she, her and Doc, I thought they had a thing going on for like a split second. Relax, man. Come on. <laughs> and Viv. Look, we got Reed Broderick out of here, okay? So I figure, you know, we didn't have to deal with that. But why is she just sitting up in it? Like, it, did that feel normal to you for Aunt Viv to go to Doc knowing how Uncle, Uncle Phil feels about this? No, of course not. But also, I know how much Will means to her. But again, mm-hmm. this is why I was confused. I was like, y'all didn't even communicate this? Like, okay, we need him to be doing stuff around the house. And you were like, he seems sad. I'm going to go talk to Doc and see what we can do. But then does this lead us to believe that Doc was done with him and Aunt Viv is the one who revived that? Probably. Um because it's well, it's it seems like Will just kind of ghosted him. Uncle Phil said nope, and then he just disappeared. So I think Doc probably is like, if I come across that kid again, I you know it's a benefit, but I'm not going to sit around waiting for him. I got money to make, and so I, I'm pretty sure he was probably still in the back of that man's mind. But Aunt Viv kind of pushed him to the forefront, you know. Yeah, so yeah, Aunt Viv went rogue and is in Doc's office talking terms with Doc. 
Yeah, like I said, I thought she had folded. Anyway, Will ends up going to Uncle Phil like a little kid. He's like, oh, I, I cleaned up. I cleaned up my room and I, I mopped the floor and I did. I put some extra, you know, elbow grease into your ribs. And I, that, and I just picture myself changing oil at like 15 years did old. Did you do the same? Did you brag and try and sugarcoat it? Of course, you gotta like spice it up. And there was times where I didn't do shit, and uh, <laughs> I would just like lie, like, "Oh, I uh, dusted the, the, you know, the the baseboards or something like that." She's like, "Really?" I was like, "No, <laughs> you know, but, but it sounds good. You can't prove I didn't." So, yeah, this is this again relatable content. He's finished his chores and he's gone the extra mile to make sure Uncle Phil can't say no when he asks him to let him go speak with Doc again. And they do. They start talking numbers. So, Puya. Will would be offered access to coaches, scouts, and tons of training for the low price of $10,000 with a monthly fee of $500. That, that is the pitch from Doc to Uncle Phil. I, and this is when I see myself out. It has nothing to do with me. This, this amount of money, I, don't, I would never see it. Oh, I would be struggling with $500 a month, which is – that makes sense. But mm-hmm. the 10000 retainer out the gate – is a handsome amount of money. Now, in all things considered, given the list of basketball players you named to me, it Mm -hmm. seems like a small price to pay for someone with Will's talent to go through this potentially. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, perks to this, especially like we talked about, you know, the year-round training and all that other stuff. But this facility that they're at is immaculate. You know, it's got basketball like high like high-end weights and all this other stuff it even got a barbershop they have a that barbershop. was wild yeah now i know where the money's going i was like why do you need 500 a month this is why for the fade yeah if you had signed up for this would it be like yeah i'm paying 500 a month just to have access to this barbershop three times getting, a week yeah i'm gonna say i'm getting a haircut every five days like uh on like without without fail i'm getting It'd be one. rude not to it's available it, Exactly. I'm paying for it anyway. I might as well just, you know, get what I pay for. Um, so in walks Jackie and Jackie is, we know, Doc's niece, who for a second, it felt like her and Will were going to have a thing. You and I have been trying to decide if Jackie is working for Doc to manipulate Will or maybe she just likes him and she's caught in a crossfire. And this episode kind of blurs that for me because she pops into the barbershop area of the facility and even she has heard about Will getting suspended. But <laughs> There's obvious chemistry between these two and they're like standing close. They're breathing on each other. It looks like, Oh, they about to, they about to kiss who knows. Uh, but then they don't. And so how are you feeling about Jackie at this point in the season? See, at this point in the episode, I was like a oh, classic, you know, mm-hmm. a, you know, two, two youngins like really feeling each <laughs> other and <Yes>, youngins <laughs> toying with each other. Yeah. The youths, of course. Yeah. Yes, um, the babies. <laughs> The doing the will they won't they I'm gonna tease you a little bit I'm gonna tease you a little bit I'm gonna insinuate I'm gonna insinuate oh I was about to kiss you maybe you have to work for it it was that it was a lot of that and I was like you know this is working for them I think they're both into this kind of thing so it's working that's what I felt up to this point okay and we'll circle back to that a little bit later on Uncle Phil ends up asking Doc why do you want this so bad like what is in this for you and you know, Doc basically says it's not the money because I, if I wanted to exploit you, like I, have, I make people, I have people who make way more than five hundred dollars a month. They're like that's nothing, even before they leave high school. Um, so, th- he, like he doesn't, he's not trying to get rich off of Uncle Phil. 
And so Uncle Phil doesn't have to worry about, but Uncle Phil wants to support this. He really does. And he makes he wants to make sure that this will be something that changes Will's life for the better. Now, this was very interesting to me because Doc says um, he doesn't want to change Will's life. He actually wants Will to just be his true self. He wants to bring that out of Will even more. And the two are kind of at a standoff because Uncle Phil isn't liking the, the Doc's contract agreement. Uh, basically, now that the NIL deal is a thing, Doc has written into the contract that he would get a percentage of any earnings in perpetuity, meaning forever, forever, mm -hmm. anytime, his name, image, and likeness forever. So if Will ends up the next LeBron James, he is getting profit off of everything, every, every shoe, every commercial, every, like, you know, anytime, every video game, trading card, Doc is going to be bringing in money for that. And Uncle Phil's not down with it. Yeah. Now, what are your thoughts on this? The imperturbity, like this deal. What are your, how would you feel? Like if this deal. was. Yeah. Huh? It's, it's a horrible deal. It's a horrible deal. Like, how, what was the percentage? Do we know? Uh, It didn't. I don't think it said. I don't think it said what percentage, but it's still, it's still ridiculous because sir, why do you get to live off this man's earnings forever? What have you done that says forever you should get the you should get paid? You know, um, even if Will's not getting paid, remember Will, you know, is going to be a basketball player, but he won't always be a basketball player. So eventually, his money's going to dry up. But if he's put in a video game or something like that, Doc's going to get more money. It's just kind of like a insurance policy that he has, like his hand in everybody's pocket for the rest of their lives. And that I, I was like, that's a good move. But I'm glad Uncle Phil caught. Yeah, it's interesting to me that Doc's using the angle of, well, I didn't want to, I'm not trying to profit off you because if I did, I would have jacked up the monthly fee or something. Mm -hmm. To me, this was the clear end goal, right? Which yeah. is guaranteed percentages off of Will, who is clearly a good basketball player, but also comes from money. So let's say his basketball career doesn't work out. Yeah, Uncle Phil will probably hook him up with a job somewhere else. He'll do something else. And and that's always a good thing to have in your back pocket is that extra percentage, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Doc's taking that money. Okay, he wants he wants the money, and it's like it's it's grimy, but it's not illegal, you know. So and it's not like out of the question either, you know. It's it's a lofty, uh, you know, uh, offer, and Uncle Phil is just annoyed by it. That's basically what's going on here. Um, and Doc is annoyed at Uncle Phil because Uncle Phil came to him, you know. Will uh, Uncle Phil showed up in his in his facility. Saying, okay, we want to hear you out so that we could potentially pay you to help us. So how do you come to him and then try to get mad at the negotiations? Especially when your wife had already came there and told Doc that y'all were down for this. Now, Puya, I thought we were going to get a good old-fashioned molly whopping. You know, I thought this was the fight because it was the way Doc said what happened, right? It was, oh, why are you acting like this? Your wife liked it. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> in the chest. In the chest. Yeah. In the chest, Puya. It, I don't want to say it's toxic, right? But there's this, in my lizard brain, there's this part where it's just like, you are a man. You aren't going to let a man disrespect you like that. Now, you are the head of your house. Like, I, you know, all that traditional stuff, whatever. I feel like Uncle Phil was two steps away from punching him. Do you think there would have been like an extra sentence that needed to be there and this wasn't quite enough? Yeah, he should have said something like, um, uh, 
well, you know, I, I was under the impression that y'all were into this because I had spoken with your wife and she said, you know, something like that. But he said, I mean, but your wife was in on it. So what's up? You know, what, 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 <laughs> what you weren't saying, yo, you weren't saying that earlier when your wife was over here, you know, like <laughs> she keep get your wife out of out of my office then if that's what you want. I, it was very targeted, Puya. I don't know. It felt well, it's like nasty. given what we know, because Doc doesn't know everything about Uncle Phil, given what we know about how Uncle Phil's going through some stuff with his law firm doing stuff behind his back, Jeffrey's being a little sneaky sneak and he's on to it. And now this. And now, you know, and Viv is being sneaky, sneaky and doing stuff. Yeah. Uncle Phil must feel not so traditional, if you know what I mean. And then not mm-hmm. only he has no control over anything. He is the master of no domain. And this is someone who was literally a master of every domain in season one, had full control of his campaign he was running, bringing his, you know, his nephew in and like Jeffrey's doing all his bidding. What is he having? What is he in control of now? Uh, yeah, nothing. You know, Uncle yeah. Phil is used to strong arming everybody into doing stuff. He's used to just, I'm in charge because and I'm he's Uncle just Phil. getting humbled this season. And it's mm. interesting to see that. Yeah. I love and, it. And I do love it. I really do. And I do like this for Uncle Phil because, you know, Uncle Phil on the original Fresh Prince, right? He was kind of grumpy as well. And so I, I like this, like, I'm the authoritarian, authoritarian just because I said so. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's kind of traditional for the man to be the head of the household in the biblical sense. Um, and so I think Uncle Phil really takes that to heart. But if that's the case, he's losing this fight because everybody is getting over on him. Um, and so he tries to get Will to leave, right? He's like, oh, we're out of here. This doc guy, like, I don't even, I can't even talk to you right now because I got to go find my wife, basically. <laughs> and Will, Will still doesn't understand why Uncle Phil is doing that. Like, it's not like he told him, like, hey, man, your aunt came over here earlier. You know, Will doesn't know. So um, he thinks Uncle Phil is um, suspect of Doc because of where Doc is coming from, um, his personality, and like maybe that he's a little less Bel Air than Uncle Phil would like. And he's calling Uncle Phil an elitist, you know, like saying like, we come from money. We don't operate with these type of people. It feels like he's judging a book by its cover. Which is a wild theory to put out there when you see the facility they're standing in. Mm-hmm. You think Uncle Phil's being this is like the most elitist. There is a <laughs> there's an in-house barber, mm-hmm. sir. This is the elitist of the elite. So stop that. Um, but then the argument that yeah, maybe it's because Doc, you know, isn't the traditional Bel Air professional and is a little bit more, you know, he's hooping by the beach or whatever you want to say. I thought that was ridiculous, but also Will's a child. So what does he know? You know, what does he really know? Yeah, we know the Banks family is concerned with image. And I think that's where the elitist part comes in, right? Like, because Doc ain't broke. And Uncle Phil definitely ain't broke either. But it's kind of like I'm looking at looking down on you. You just, like, kind of got this, like, hip-hop culture about yourself or you're a basketball and then you're a manager and it kind of feels like you're preying on, on, on young kids to make money off of them. Like, that's not uh, ethical in Uncle Phil's eyes. At least that's what Will thinks. And it does stop Uncle Phil in his tracks. It felt like he kind of hit a nerve. I mean, Uncle Phil, I feel like, and, you know, we saw this in the um, original series as well. Uncle Phil doesn't forget where he came from ever. Mm -hmm. I I think in either of these characters. In this one, obviously, we haven't even tapped into that, explored that yet. But I would like to think that if I'm drawing from from previous Uncle Phil, it's that... uh, don't you call me an elitist. I know where I came from. I know my humble beginning. So that doesn't fly with me, especially because I think Uncle Phil is 
in his mind, doing everything he can to have an open mind, you know, teach everyone the value of a dollar, not just, you know, be living the bougie life without really understanding where it comes from, trying to work with the community. Like he's trying to do all that. So Will just being like, nope, you don't get it. I feel like he's not going to take that from a, from again, a child. <laughs> yeah. Especially when he's losing control of everything else. Like you said, um, because another part of me feels like, yeah, he already doesn't trust Doc. And then Doc threw in his face, like, Uncle Phil, don't be knowing what's going on in your home. Like, I bet I think you need to worry about yourself and your wife before you come over here. Like, that, that's how it felt to me, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I was at home like, ooh, damn, that's your wife. Like, I was like, ah. You know, so I thought they were going to fight. Anyway, Uncle Phil does not fight uh, Doc. He takes Will away, and then, um, you know, it kind of goes to a commercial break. So we are going to do the same. We will be back to talk about the rest of the episode right after this. Okay. Uncle Phil barges in, and he is pissed. He, he is sick of Aunt Viv's shit. <laughs> he's just come, he's coming in so hot. You know, um, he really wants her to understand that, you know, one, I think his manhood was challenged a little bit when you throw your wife in, in somebody's face. But also he feels like Aunt Viv went behind his back and, you know, undermined his authority. Now, Puya, Aunt Viv is a grown-ass woman. Does she mm. need Uncle Phil's permission to literally go do something for her nephew, her own blood? No. The answer exactly. is no. Mm -hmm. um, now, if I wanted to then look at it a little bit under the microscope we could see it and be like well technically doc has been you know it's like if they were dividing the tasks doc has been under phil's list right it's like yeah. all right phil will take care of the doc stuff you take care of this stuff blah, blah blah so he could see it as i thought i had a handle on this why did you go behind my back to push it when mm -hmm. you trusted me with this assignment you know what i mean so potentially from that perspective you could see it as, okay, I kind of get why he's mad, potentially. But I think, again, all the other stuff that's going on with him, I think this kind of just broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back in a way. Yeah, and they're in a full-on shouting match at this point. And in my mind, Aunt Viv won the argument because she does point out that this is just Uncle Phil trying to dictate who Will spends time with. And it's the same thing that broke up, you know, the family last season. Yep. Because this is a lot of overlap with Lou. Uncle Phil feels like I should protect you from people who I don't think are worthy of being around you. And he did it once and he's doing it again. And I think that's the more accurate outlook for me as well, which is Doc is kind of replacing the Lou storyline in a weird way where mm -hmm. this is someone Will's taking a liking to, but then Uncle Phil is cautious and protective when he doesn't really know where the truth could be. Yeah, um, this is bad. You know, uh, Uncle Phil ends up having to go and apologize, obviously, because he came in kind of hot and he admits that. And Phil's like, you know, we're not really acting like ourselves right now. Let's let's try to make up. So they do. And Uncle Phil ends up telling her finally like, he's not OK. Right. Like he's got a lot going on. Um, he knows something is up at the firm uh, with James, his partner. He knows Doc is kind of like he grimy. I don't trust him. And then Jeffrey is kind of being kind of distant because we see Uncle Phil go um, try to tell something, you know, like find Jeffrey earlier. He offers him a drink and Jeffrey's kind of just like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You know, like he's asking Jeffrey, like, where are you going? Jeffrey, I, personal business. You know, he's being very mm -hmm. short with him and it's starting to make Uncle Phil feel like he can't trust anybody. Um, 
but he doesn't want to push the issue either because Jeffrey just came back. And so he feels like if he's too overbearing, then Jeffrey's just going to leave. Uh, what do you think is up with Jeffrey? Okay. So to me, the Jeffrey stuff could have to do with his son. I feel like that's the mm. last thing that we've seen and heard Jeffrey talk about is his son stuff. So to mm. me, it has to be, it has to do with the son and it has to do with something with his son that like, he knows Phil wouldn't approve of. Now, yeah. what was he trying to look for on the computer? Again, could be sun stuff. Beyond that, I think it's we're due for a reveal because I don't think we know. Yeah, that I just keep pick, six, seeing that one moment in the episode where they kind of bump into each other and he's kind of icy to him. Jeffrey does not look happy to see Uncle Phil at all. And I was like, dang, you know, me and you talked about it. We were happy Jeffrey was back in the house. I thought we were good. We're not good. No. Um, not good at all. So later in the episode, Uncle Phil ends up sending for Jeffrey and they do have a, a closer conversation. And I'll get to that a, a little bit later because I really want to dive into that one. That was a that was a good moment, at least from my opinion of what I think is going on with Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. um, because I know you bring up his son, there, uh, but I think there's something else going on. And I got a theory, but I don't want to throw it at you yet. Okay. All right, cool. So... Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in Carlton School, but we'll get to that later. That'll be our B storyline today. Um, because <laughs> because this is this is really close to heart, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really feel some type of way about this uh Jeffrey story. So uh eventually Will talks to Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil, and he's been you know making breakfast for them, he's been trying to impress them with all his chores. Um, and eventually they sit down and talk about this whole doc situation. Um and he tells him, I'm willing to work for what he wants. Now, pause. Flashback a little bit earlier in the episode. There's a moment where Will is talking to Jackie. Jackie is, of course, Doc's niece. And so she's, they're texting. You know, they've been flirting or whatever. And Will goes to meet her. We find out that she's a dancer. She is like, she looks like a pretty good trained dancer or whatever. And, and Will is a goofy dancer. And so the two bond, there's some kissing. They finally get there. Mm -hmm. um, and she tells Will, basically, you got to work to get what you want. Um, and Will is confused about that at first because he's kind of like, you know, I'll be working. I've been playing basketball. I'm good. But Jackie's like, no, you have to, you have to grind. And she uses a very specific phrase. Do you have the phrase for you? No, but it was also on the wall later, and it got brought up two more times. I should uh -huh. know it. It's no grind, no grit, no greatness. So that's the thing. Jackie says that, and Will's like, oh, okay. I can I can do something with this. Like, I can go and use this to tell Uncle Phil that I need to be playing basketball because, you know, I'm going to put in the work. Will offers to pay the monthly fee. He's like, I'm going to get a job. I'll get two jobs to pay that $500. Um, he's going to get his grades are going to be uh, top notch. But he really wants to play this AAU basketball, and it does look like it convinces Uncle Phil. Um, so, Puya, at this point, we're coming to, to um, I guess, Uncle Phil is coming to realize that people be influencing Will. We know that. He's always weary of people influencing Will. But like you said, we hear Doc use this phrase as well, right? So Doc uses the phrase later on. Jackie uses the phrase. Will uses the phrase. And that is exactly what Uncle Phil does not want. He does not want doc anything incepting you know like these phrases and these mantras into wills because he thinks will is very um you know um 
malleable, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's young, you know, and he might fall for something crazy. So it does look like whatever Uncle Phil is thinking is going to happen, it's happening. Yeah, I think I think the big thing with Uncle Phil is that, you know, he sees the kids for what they are, kids. And therefore, they're going to be influential, inf- mm-hmm. easily influenced by outside sources. Now, if they're being influenced by a teacher, a professor or something that Uncle Phil knows about or from the academy, uh, cool. Like that's that's someone who's like, you know, I know what their business is. I know what they're there to do is to inspire my child to like learn, blah, blah, blah. But if I don't know Doc and suddenly Will is using the exact same phrasing that Doc did to convince me to let him do this, did I get finessed? Did I get played did Doc pretty much train him to get me to say yes? And I have a feeling with Uncle Phil again, he doesn't like l- relinquishing control. And I don't think he likes being played. And I think in that moment, when that ending scene, when he sees that same plaque in Doc's office that says, what was it? No grime, no grind, no grit, no, no greatness. greatness. Yes. Yeah. When he sees that plaque, that's when it hits full circle of, wait. Did Will mean all that or did Will just say this because Doc said to say, you know what I mean? And and I don't Mm -hmm. think Uncle Phil likes that. I don't think Uncle Phil goes head to head with a lot of people. I think, again, Uncle Phil is someone who runs opposed in most elements of his life. And ever since that damn campaign, he's been going head to head with people and every head to head he's had to lose, then apologize to bring it back. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Uh, Uncle Phil and Will end up going back to Doc eventually to accept the offer. Except Uncle Phil has made a few changes to the contract. I I, I paused the the screen and I okay. You looked in. at the document. I did. I I, I have nosy as hell. I I was. <laughs> I mean, it was blurry, but I could tell it was like these red lines and the scribbles. I I looked. He crossed all that perpetuity shit out of there. There is no forever. He said, uh, for this period of time and until we see fit, like he 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 makes that all up. He said, nah, Doc, we're we gonna make this more reasonable. And Doc kind of feels like, and you're kind of strong arming me, sir. You can't just rewrite the contract. Uncle Phil is a lawyer, he can rewrite the contract. Like he knows yeah. what he's doing here. He knows, he knows what's um, he knows that Doc wants Will, and there's more AAU teams and scouts. This is not the only one, you know, and so. If he wants Will, he's going to have to relinquish something. And so he does agree to those terms. They shake on it. And now Will is officially an AAU uh, player. But on the way out, Uncle Phil does notice that plaque on the wall that says, no grind, no grit, no greatness. So now he's heard it from Phil. I mean, he's heard it from uh, Doc. He's heard it from Will. He's heard it from Jackie. And yep, I think the the Doc um, swagger is already rubbing off on Will. Now, as they're leaving, speaking of Doc's influence, um, Jackie enters. So they walk out. Moments later, Jackie walks right in. And Doc thanks her for helping incept this uh, no grind, no grit, no greatness mantra into Will's head because that is what he needed to show Uncle Phil so Uncle Phil would be willing to let him go do the AAU thing. So, Puya, was Jackie in on this from the beginning or is it just a coincidence that their relationship is overlapping with Doc and Will's like basketball contract? Man, I feel conflicted because... Part of me thinks if you wanted to incept Will, you could do it in a lot of easier ways than one-on-one time at a dance studio where you're goofy dancing. So to me, the relationship is real. The connection is real. And I don't think she loves what she's doing for Doc right here. 
but we haven't seen enough of her and Doc interact for me to know what Jackie's true motivations are here. But what I can tell you is that 100% Doc is setting Jackie up to like bring real will in. Now, does she have her own motivations and her own feelings? I think so too. Two can be correct here. Yeah. Do you remember Jackie from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yes, she was uh, Tyra Banks. Ooh, yeah. Tyra Banks can accept anything to me. You know, she could just, I mean, yeah. Woo. Especially back then. Now, new Tyra, she kind of she kind of off. But that old Tyra from uh Fresh Prince, those were the yes. good old days. That's Very my much Jackie. So. Yeah. <laughs> so let's wrap up Uncle Phil's storyline a little bit. Uncle Phil ends up awkwardly running into Jeffrey um again. And this time he's just like, Jeffrey. I, I need you to go do something for me. I need you to go and to find out what James is up to because, you know, I'm losing control of things. I can tell something's going on. So Jeffrey goes and he investigates James. He comes back and he tells Uncle Phil, they've been having secret meetings behind your back. Puya, I hate a secret <laughs> meeting. I hate a secret fucking meeting. I remember um, when uh, I think I was in my college or something like that, me and my homegirl walked into a room and there was a bunch of people like they had, they had said like, oh, yeah, we were about to tell you that we talked about this. And she immediately said, I fucking hate secret meetings. And I screamed. And I, <laughs> I, I she incepted that to my head because I was like, bro, this must have been a secret meeting or something like that. Where was I? Um, so secret meeting aside, Uncle Phil realizes, oh, no, nah, they're trying to get me out of here. They're talking about me behind my back. Jeffrey, go get James. Now, Puya, when Jeffrey shows up with James, James don't look like he had a choice but to show up. He looked like he was being threatened. <laughs> do you think jeffrey said you will come with me no questions asked or else that man came in the door uh uncle phil says it's good to see you james thanks for coming by and james looks at jeffrey and says yeah i didn't have much of a choice what did jeffrey say to this man uh, do you think jeffrey <laughs> did his thing where he subtly hinted that he doesn't have a choice and Maybe said, if you don't come with me, this might happen and showed him. I don't know. I don't know what Jeffrey did. He's a he's a mystery man, Chappelle. Is Jeffrey the muscle? Like, is Jeffrey the heavy? hundred percent. We knew that already. But I Remember, mean, he, he's in his suit. You know what I'm saying? You're telling me a, a man with a British accent came to my house with a suit on and told me I got to go somewhere or else. And I didn't take that as a serious, <laughs> serious uh, instruction. I would do it. Yeah, me too. But, you know, like, Jane's a grown-ass man, so I feel like whatever influence Jeffrey has, it's more than just a menacing look. You know, I think Jeffrey... We, we already know Jeffrey done caught some bodies, but I don't know if Jeffrey just, like, flashed a pistol like James come get in the car. <laughs> in right. the car. Like, you know, James... Like I said, James is a lawyer. I don't think you would allow somebody to be strong-arming you like this, but he does. And so this is when James and uh, Uncle Phil have their conversation. Now... What happened is James, um, he felt like uh, Uncle Phil left him for dead. He he took off to go be the district attorney, and he kind of left the firm uh, up a creek because James handles like the business side, like the numbers and the you know the the that part of the firm, and then Uncle Phil is the one bringing in clients and bringing in the money. But without Uncle Phil, there is no money to bring in. There's nothing to manage. And so they start to go under. So now James has been talking about negotiating an acquisition. They're going to sell the firm, basically. And Uncle Phil can't do nothing about it because there's not enough money coming in. It's too late. And the partners probably don't even trust him because he left last time. So he tells Uncle Phil, you're going to need a miracle to save this firm. Who you? You think we're getting a miracle? Yes. And here's the miracle. Here's where he's then he owes someone a big one. 
he signs Doc. He signs the the Doc Foundation. <laughs> they become the lawyers for Doc. All of Doc shady contracts. Ooh, okay, okay. I like this. It's messy. Okay, I feel it. All right. So Doc is going to be the one to bail out Uncle Phil, <laughs> and then Uncle Phil <laughs> owes him one. Uncle Phil will burst into flames. I don't think there's a world where he does that. He'd probably rather die than let Doc get for him. The question is, what does a miracle, like, if they need a, because either they need hella clients or one big client, right, to keep it afloat. Mm, What does a one big client look like? Oh, uh, maybe they take on the Miss Hughes case, but I don't think that's bringing in a lot of money. Yeah, like what kind of what branch of law are they in? You know, like are they just like uh, that? We don't know know either. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe the Miss Hughes case blows up into this huge thing. Again, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I do. This is the moment where I want to talk about Jeffrey, because like you said, we saw Jeffrey snooping in Uncle Phil's stuff in a previous episode. Um, But there's something about this stoic, icy behavior that feels very familiar to me, Puya. This is my move. I know we think that this is Jeffrey is snooping. He's going to do something with his son. He has a motive. I don't think that. I think that Jeffrey is pissed that he got fired. And although he came back, he's still leaking like, I thought I was family. You fired me and put me out of my home and separated me from my family. Now I'm back and I don't trust you no more because that's exactly how I would be acting. I would still do my job, but I would kind of quiet quit on the family part. Interesting. So why do you think, so let's pretend you're, you know, you're petty Chappelle. We know that. Mm -hmm. And you're, and you're nosy, messy Chappelle. We know that. So why are you looking at uncle Phil's computer for just leverage or. I think that whatever the uncle Phil thing is, the the computer thing is separate. I think that is just a thing. Like you said, it might have something to do with son. I don't know how that would happen, but you know, whatever. Uncle Phil has something on that computer that Jeffrey's interested in. But I still think this attitude he got is not because, oh, I'm preoccupied looking for my son because his son been gone. You know, Jeffrey ain't been seeing his son. He ain't never acted like that before. Uncle Phil couldn't even get him to drink with him. And in the past, we've seen them two sharing a drink, hmm. a cigar. You know, I'm thinking he like, bro, I don't want your drink. Because there's so, a moment. Hold okay. on. There's a moment where Uncle Phil offers him the drink. And I think Jeffrey says, I'm just here to do my job. Yes. The, the, mm-hmm. It gave, um, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Exactly. Exactly. I think he's salty. So do you think that when Uncle Phil apologized to him in episode one, he was like, good, I'm back in the house now. But he didn't truly forgive Uncle Phil because Uncle Phil is acting like he they did nothing. Right. Like the past Mm -hmm. didn't happen. While Jeffrey can't forget the fact that, no, you kicked me out of the family for essentially doing what I thought was right for Will, which you have now agreed was the right call. But you still went about it horribly, and you pretend that I didn't exist. And he's not yeah. over it. He, it's like, I accepted your apology to get back in, but I didn't fully accept it permanently. Exactly. I feel like J- Uncle Phil made up with Jeffrey and hired him again. but Because he fired him from that job. But Uncle Phil also fired Jeffrey from the family. So it's like, mm. in any given day, Uncle Phil, on a whim, could just be like, Jeffrey, that pissed me off. Get out. And now Jeffrey's not only unemployed, but he also doesn't have the family that he has helped raising. 
I think he's salty. I think they're going to have to come to a copper medium. You know, that's what a compromise and a, and a, and a happy medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have to do that because I think he's just going to have an attitude. Because I'm telling you, this is exactly how it work, how I would act. I would have my guard up because last time I let it down, I thought I was a part of the family. And you completely told me that I was not. Interesting. So this speaks to me because I feel like I've seen you do this before now that mm-hmm. you say that. Oh, yeah. Uh, whenever you talk crazy to me, I'd be like, all right, Puyo. I'm just here to, uh, just here so I don't get fined. Well, I've not done that yet. So <laughs> good to know when I see the signs. I'll be like, huh, what did I do? Because he's acting he's acting different. He's acting like he's quiet quitting on our friendship. Yeah, I think Jeffrey's quiet quitting on the family. Or at least, at the very least, he just doesn't want to get hurt again. Um, because this whole, like, I'm just here to do my job thing, that's the part that I was like, all right. You know, you could have took the drink. We've seen you drink on the job before, Jeffrey. Like, who are you trying to fool? So... Uh, to say if, no to a free drink is wild, especially when you're on the clock. I'd be like, why not? You know, mm-hmm. so the Bev. But I feel like he doesn't want to give Uncle Phil the satisfaction of feeling we're fixed. Everything's fine. Yeah. Don't you ever get too comfortable. You know, he's like, we ain't back to normal. You can't just apologize those uh, whatever, however long that was, that time away. You know, like, I'm sorry. You took me away from my family. At least that's my theory. We'll see what happens in uh, episodes coming forward. Um, so. Let's talk about Carlton. We've talked about what happens with Will after he gets suspended, but we haven't really talked about uh, what this looks like for Carlton Banks, who has kind of fallen off his high horse for a brief moment. He was hoisted in front of everybody as the face of the BSU, the face of this movement. And now he kind of looks like a sellout, like a big sellout. Uh, He looks like when it came time for him to do what needed to be done, he was he basically sold out for that uh, Founders Award. And I don't think that the BSU and the other people in the school are wrong for assuming that. Now, don't get me wrong. They uh, they find out later on about Carlton and his struggles. But in the moment, Puya, I would have been pissed. I feel like you see him not do the speech that he was supposed to. You see half the school gets suspended. Like, Will got suspended. Carlton got rewarded. What does mm-hmm. that tell you? The the guy who didn't step up was given a thank you in the form of this Founders Award. Yeah, I'd be pissed too. I'd be like, once again, you used us and, the, you know, you came to us. You used us as a cause to further your own agenda, which was winning the Founders Award. And I feel like because he had that prior as well with the getting elected student president that they can point out and be like, yeah, no, you've done it again. I'm, I can't believe we were stupid enough to let you do it again. I feel like that's kind of the vibe. Oh, I would be beating that drum. I would be the loudest person in the room talking about but how. But then Carlton you would get your ass handed to you by Carlton Banks at the bowling alley. So, oh no, Carlton can't beat me in a fight. I, I, let, let's be very clear. <laughs> I would have whooped his ass. I, 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 all this, all fun and games aside, come at me. We didn't talk about my other suspensions. Your boy was a brawler. Um, so <laughs> make I have no to mistake. hear about the goddamn ultimate cheeseburger <laughs> heist of 2003, but not this. What I look like getting on the podcast and being like, oh, the last time I got suspended was because I punched somebody in the face. Of the, you know, whatever. I'm like, this, that's not that's neither here nor there. And it's just a bad example. Like, uh, I am nonviolent today. Um, but, you of know, we all, have, we all have a past. Um, so, we do. We do. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Now it looks like Carlton is kind of the bad guy in this picture. You know, even though I think his heart was in the right place, he just wasn't able to handle it. And now he really can't handle the backlash, especially from people like Yasmin, who is... You know, in the BSU, we know she was feeling Carlton, but she is giving him death stares all around. I know he feels tiny 
every time she looks at him because I think she thought that he was in it for the long haul, in it for the revolution, and she might have been wrong. Yeah, again, you you know, if you're Yasmin, you against probably the advisement of the rest of your surroundings, let this man in, felt good about him, and then he switched up on you. I mean, they don't know the full reason again, but in that moment, yeah, he fully betrayed you, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, Puyo, you basically said that you didn't think Carlton was going to do the speech anyway, so I feel like he was going to fold regardless, you know? Yeah, I, I think so too. I really do. And I feel like this truth would have come out either way, but it would have been neat and easy for Carlton if they all just agreed to, yeah, we'll do it silently. And Carlton would have been like, okay, if, if y'all are all about it, because he was so relieved when they all agreed to do that. And then mm -hmm. when they were like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're actually going to go ahead and do this anyway. He was like, but no, I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, the room started spinning. I'm telling you, he was not ready. Um mm. And I think Carlton, you know, being a little bit more transparent about his uh, struggles would definitely help him because, like, we've been talking about it knowing that Carlton has anxiety. So we are able to sympathize and empathize with him. Um, but the rest of school is not. The only person who does, aside from Will, is Lisa. And that's basically her advice to him. She's saying, you need to go, uh, you need to go tell people, tell people exactly what happened so they won't think that you are a trash individual. But Carlton, you know, he's got a little ego on him. He, Already knows that Lisa kind of feels bad for him a lot, is always concerned about his health. You know, I think this it's I think that's touching at his manhood a little bit. And he doesn't want another girl, Jasmine, or anybody else kind of taking pity on him because of his anxiety. I think he's like internalizing this thing, like anxiety is um specific to him, like he's the only one going through this, and that's just not the case. Um, but what did you think about seeing Carlton and Lisa back together? I think Yasmin is the red relationship herring. I mm -hmm. think the because up until this point, we've talked about how we think the Carlton will 2.0 feud would be one sided. Mm -hmm. It becomes double sided the minute Lisa and Carlton are back together. And I think that's where we're headed. I really, really, really do. I think that. She is the only person who sees Carlton for who he is. She is the only person who knows the real Carlton, not this Carlton who's putting up a front of, I don't get this way, that way. I'm always confident. I'm never worried. She sees all of it, and she gives him advice for that. And like you said, and I love that you said this, in the moment, he's not taking to this advice at all because he's like, no, I'm not going to be seen as weak. No one else is this way, only me, which I think, you know, there's a bigger conversation to be had here about how um, men, men of color, especially we're kind of programmed in a way to never show that side of us. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times my own father would give me poor advice of like, men don't cry, Puya. Why are you crying? It's like, yeah, because I want to dad. <laughs> like, Cause I have eyes and that's advice? what they do. Right. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of that. And when you don't see anyone else talking about it or going through it, you feel like you're not being like who you're supposed to be. And I feel like that's where Carlton is by not wanting to speak on this stuff. And even that is bringing him anxiety. You know, it is right. He can't fully share what, he, what is happening with him. And that is going to be tough to do as well. But Lisa sees all this. And despite all that, Lisa's still there for him. But in this moment, before we talk about what happens at the end of the episode with him in this moment, yeah, he's seeing it as no, Lisa, like Lisa sees me as a weak person 
And that is no bueno for me. I don't want other people to see me as a weak person and pity me. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're sensitive Carlton. Like, he doesn't want that. <laughs> no, not at all. So he's down in the dumps. Him and Will are both commiserating together because, you know, Will's suspended and Carlton's a sellout, you know. Um, <laughs> so they both have things to be sad about. But Will invites Carlton to the BSU bowling party. Puya, do you bowl? I do bowl. But I've never been that excited to bowl. Carlton beamed up. Mm-hmm. I do not bowl. And like not not like, oh, I'm against bowling. I'm just really, really bad. Whatever Will was doing in this episode at the bowling party, that is me. It is <laughs> I. I am him. Um, are you a good bowler? I'm decent, but I get rusty because I'll play like once every two years. And I remember mm-hmm. being – there was a time where I would go – bi-weekly because it would be an easy activity for myself my dad and my sister to go do together so we Mm -hmm. went like pretty often and it was pretty fun and i got good then but i don't play often anymore so it's like i remember the glory days i'm like i'm really good and then i'll get there i'm like i'm getting humbled by liana by frame five and that's Mm -hmm. not ideal but it happens but i've never had my own ball i've never had my own shoes i've never had the weird like uh towel thing that you used to like clean the ball if that makes sense so mm-hmm. i've never had any of those so i would say i'm more of a casual novice yeah casual novice. okay i like that i am a, a bowling imbecile you know i am horrible <laughs> at bowling. <laughs> you're and there for the beer and the food and that's it you know what i'm saying and i love so, that you know it you know it if you tell me to come bowling with you i will come but i'm not gonna bowl um you know this is a, probably a larger conversation to go around that too with like representation you know, growing up, I didn't see a lot of black bowlers um, and bowling cost money and I didn't have a lot of money. Like I could go outside and play basketball for free, but right. having to go to a bowling alley, like there's a barrier to entry for people from the inner city, I'm sure. Um, and you know that because it's another one of these sports that Carlton just happens to be good at that Will is not good at. Right. So right. Carlton, Carlton could do lacrosse and bowling. But I, and I'm, and black people do those things too. Let me let me go ahead and say that for somebody. Some There's a black bowler at home like I bowl. Every, yeah, you know that. Yeah. But, you know, the top bowlers. You know, or the bowl, the, the face of bowling don't look like you, sir. Don't play with me. And so, uh, yeah, Carlton hit the splits. Did you see that? Yeah, man's athletic. Yeah, but like at bowling, you know what I'm saying? Like he hit the splits at the bowling alley. He was feeling himself. So this was good because we hadn't really seen Happy Carlton in, you know, an episode or so. Um, so Will and Lisa have a talk, and it seems like they have some good chemistry. But then we see Drew. Drew is the hater from the BSU, mugging him from across the room. He ultimately comes over to Will and kind of just stands there, kind of looms and interrupts everything. Uh, we see in this episode that Drew sucks. Drew sucks. I hate him. Um, I yeah, hate him he, too. He's the worst. He's the worst. Uh, don't get me wrong. He made some points about Carlton, but he's mm-hmm. also still, I almost called him, a, a, woo, I almost said a word. I, he sucks. <laughs> so he interrupts Lisa and Will just stands there until Will gets kind of like, you know, he gets the picture that this guy is trying to block. But also he gets that text from Jackie and ends up meeting her at the dance studio that we talked about earlier. Eventually, Drew confronts Carlton, airing out this whole situation with Carlton winning the Founders Award. He tells them Carlton used them again. He takes Carlton's black card, basically. And then he says Carlton's been jock gobbling the teacher. And that's when um, Carlton punches him in the face. He's a short guy, but he got hands. I'll give it to him. He's got hands, and he's got precision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very effective effective punches coming from Carlton's side. Um, 
Now, he didn't knock out Drew by any means, but he got mm-hmm. a couple good licks in before he was pulled off. Yeah, I think he has uh, maybe some anger issues. Not to say that like, he's quick to to get angry, but maybe he's been bottling some stuff up that he should have let out. He's the type of guy that bottles, 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 but then it all comes out in one Hulk motion, and then he just goes in without thinking in that. Like, he sees red, basically, right? Mm-hmm. He, I mean... This man nearly drowned his own like cousin. He, so he literally saw red and pushed him in the pool. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're right. Carlton just he holds this stuff in until he can't hold it in anymore. And then, like you said, when people do that, it always happens at the worst time, right? They blow up in a situation where they shouldn't be blowing up and they make it worse than what it should have been. So Carlton and Drew could have probably eh, he probably would have still fought Drew for uh, you know, calling them a meat gobbler, but you know, I think he doesn't, you know, maybe go as hard in that fight. Maybe they fight outside and not in the middle of the bowling alley. You know, like cooler heads could prevail in a situation like that. Maybe. But since Carlton had been going through so much, I think he and he just really hates Drew. And I don't blame him. Um, so this is when Carlton reveals to the whole entire bowling alley that he struggles with anxiety and panic attacks. They had people already had the cameras out. You know, this was a big moment. Uh, this fight was being recorded, and they also recorded. Carlton's whole, you know, moment of admitting about his mental health struggles. Um, Lisa comes to his defense, as Carlton says that she would, and uh, she ends up kind of admonishing the BSU for being so divided. Like, this is the Black Student Union. Like, union literally means to come together. And they're out here recording and encouraging people fighting in the bowling alley. Like, come on, my people. Like, you got to do better. So then she sees Carlton and she goes to console him. And she came to the party with Drew. But she's leaving with Carlton. Puya, this is shenanigans. I don't know. I feel like Carlton's working his way back in. Yeah, successfully. Very mm-hmm. easily. Oh, yeah. I mean, good <laughs> yeah, good game. GG. Yeah, he, I mean, he <laughs> opened up. He opened up, you know, maybe not how he intended, but basically pulled out without maybe volunteering everything that he's going through in front of everybody. I feel like that was a moment for him to be vulnerable. And that was kind of like, I'm proud of you for doing that, even though maybe I didn't agree with how you got there. Can Mm -hmm. we quickly just talk about how much I hated this scene for one of the main things for it? The number of these stupid kids with their phones Mm -hmm. out recording everything instead of stopping the fight or clearing it up or Mm -hmm. something. Just how are we really that quick to get on our phones? I, you know, granted, I'm saying this as someone who we grew up in the World Star era where mm-hmm. you would hear someone yell out World Star and eight phones would pop out of, of out of nowhere. But I feel like now this was every person putting their phone out, taking a video. And what are you going to do with this? Not put on a TikTok, hmm? put on your yeah. Insta Reels. Hmm? That clout, that clout, uh, make you that clout, make you act funny, you know? Oh. Uh, but but that's yeah that's a great point. It's what Lisa's basically saying is we're supposed to come together. We're classmates. Y'all know each other. You could easily break this up and have a moment of healing, you know, or separating, mm-hmm. or just or just even being just neutral. He says the things, you say some things, you hit him, you hit him, it's over, you know, move on. But instead, they wanted to record it. Now we find out the next day that. And, you know, Will wasn't present for the fight. I'm sure he would have jumped in. You know, maybe maybe he would have let Carlton handle himself. I don't know. Maybe he would have broke it up. I but, think Will would have liked to get a couple in on Drew as well, if I'm being honest. That he'd be yeah. looking for a reason to be, oh, 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 this is my time to get involved. Cool. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do one. 
oh yeah, if my cousin fight, I'm I'm fighting. You know, my brother fight, I'm fighting. You know, like you not, don't don't come at them because you. Yeah, I mean, we might as well call your cousins because we all about to fight. So I know that Will probably would have jumped in, um, which is bad for Will because you know he, he got in one little fight once and then you know see what happened. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the next day, Will tells Carlton, heard about the fight crazy heard you won that's even crazier but the coolest thing about this is that you have started a conversation amongst the bsu about mental health and people of color specifically black people um black males especially so carlton goes from kind of being at his lowest to getting some clout too you know uh he looked very happy and i didn't know if he felt happy because now he felt like oh this weight is off his shoulders now that people know about the anxiety and they're not making fun of him for it you know they're accepting him for it or because He's still in a little bit of that spotlight back from Will. Okay. So I think it's both. I think Mm. on one end, you know, he kind of felt like we both walked into the BSU together and he's getting all the glory and I've gotten nothing but like now hate versus Mm. now, oh, I actually did something good and, and people are happy and this is like doing good. But I think for himself again, personally, this is something that he's been feeling and going through. And like we said earlier, feeling like no one else goes through that makes you feel weak, makes you feel inferior, can make you feel like you are flawed as a human. Whereas now he can realize, oh my God, I'm not alone. I'm not flawed as a human. I am normal. We are all normal. I just didn't know because no one talks about this stuff. So I think it's both things. Yeah, and that's why transparency is is very cool when it comes to these kind of things like you don't got to tell everybody your business and your uh and your mental health struggle you know do that on your own time but if you feel so compelled to tell your story uh, it could potentially help somebody else because then they'll know that they're not alone and they'll know mm-hmm. that their feelings are valid and that they're just not losing their minds and even if they are losing their minds that sometimes that happens and there's ways you can get help for it but you'll never know that unless you actually try to get help for it you can't try to get help for it unless someone's telling you there's help for it, you know? So those things trickle down. You have to have these conversations about mental health. You have to start letting people express themselves uh, so that they don't bottle these things up and end up like Carlton. Um, throughout the episode, Yasmin looked like, okay, she's completely done with Carlton. Like, uh, I don't know what's going on here, but uh, it's not working for me. I thought you were one thing. Like, I thought you were Malcolm X and you Brian Gumble, you know, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. Um, so... Puya, do you think we see any more of Yasmin throughout this season? I think she's still going to be prevalent, especially with the Miss Hughes story. If it goes any further, she has to and will be there. But as far as the the her and Carlton, will they, won't they? I think it'll take a backseat to the Lisa and Carlton, will they, won't they again? Mm-hmm. I think I think this is the last we see of Yasmin, the love interest, because Carlton deleted the text thread. You know, that is like, that's the end. You can delete somebody's contact. And still contact them, you know, like, you know, the number, mm-hmm. you, you can see the thread, you know, the last messages you sent, deleting somebody contact, that's child's play, blocking somebody, child's play. But when you delete that thread, that means I don't want to see the old stuff. I don't want to see the new stuff. I don't want you to contact me. I don't even want to know how to contact you because your number would have been at the top of that. So, yeah, I think once you delete the thread, it's over. That's the end all be all. Uh, and so that kind of wraps up the Carlton storyline. Um we haven't really touched on Ashley's storyline. You mentioned Miss Hughes. Ashley's storyline is pretty cut and dry. She feels guilty. She's been feeling guilty. She sees what's happening now that you're trying to stand up for what's right. People are, there's consequences to that sometimes. You know, Will got suspended. Miss Hughes got fired. Uh, 
And so Ash is kind of like feeling like maybe, maybe the revolution isn't all it's cracked up to be. But by the end of the episode, Will is able to convince Ashley that no, people like Ashley are needed uh, because somebody has to fight these good fights. Somebody has to stand up for the little person, stand up for the person who uh, is being you know mistreated. And if we don't have people like that, we'll never make progress. And so for me, I liked Ashley's storyline, but I really wish they would kind of get more, give me more. I need more meat on that on the on that bone, you know. I agree because again, it's mostly. I'm Ashley. I'm young, and I feel very guilty because I got my teacher fired, and I got my my uh, cousin suspended. And then it's the adult saying, "No, no, you're fine." And people need to do these things, stand up for what they believe in, etc. I guess it's like kind of like not enough meat on the bone because we've heard these songs and dances, right? We've gone mm-hmm. through it. We've seen the words. So we're like, "All right, all right, uh, give us some other content. Come on, let's move on. Let's move on." But this is all we're going to get from Ashley for now, which, you know, I understand. And I do think we are basically going to now see nothing else from Ashley as far as character mm-hmm. growth goes until this uh, misuse stuff gets sorted. You know, it feels like they heard us complaining last season that Ashley would just disappear for episodes at a time. And they said, here, damn. OK, we're just going to put her in. You're just going like, to yeah. like, here's five minutes of Ashley. You happy? OK, cool. Yeah. Because, yeah. It really didn't move the plot along at all. I, you know, in season one, Ashley had a bit of a a crush, a bit of a love interest. I wanted to see that a little bit more. And now it's like, nope, Ashley has one story and that's her feeling guilty about Miss Hughes getting fired. And I'm like, okay, so what you're telling me is old Ashley is getting more storyline than new (laughs) Ashley. Old Ashley has come over and eclipsed new Ashley. Mm-hmm. In two episodes, she's done more than this. This Ashley has done in four. Hey, and no so, one, no one threw a protest for young new Ashley. That's all I'm saying. Right, right, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's Ashley. I'm sure we'll get more of the same, or maybe they'll take a a, a risk with Ashley this season. We'll see. Um, but Puya, what did you think about the Hillary storyline? Oh my God, the Hillary storyline. So the big storyline here is that. You know, we have seen Jazz meet the parents, Hillary's parents. It was time for the Uno reverse card. It was time for Mm -hmm. Hillary to meet Jazz's parents. And Jazz, as we know from the show, is Muslim. Mm -hmm. And Hillary wants to make a good impression. So Hillary pulls up to this dinner that that they've organized for her to meet his parents in hijab, Mm -hmm. coming in. And she sounds like a walking encyclopedia of the Muslim page on Wikipedia. It was awkward. She's firing off facts. And it wasn't like it it initially could have come off like, okay, she knows this stuff. But very quickly, it became book reporty of like, and yeah, that's the five pillars of Islam, right? And then and then you do Ramadan and then you're fasting the whole day and then you got to. You got to do the wudu first before you do the prayer. And they're like, can we talk about it? No, Jazz was like, all right, can we move on and talk about something else, please? What did you, did you think this was, run me through your thought process when you saw Hillary in the hijab first and foremost. Well, when she shows up in the job, I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe she felt like she needed to dress more modest. We know Hillary is kind of, you know, kind of loud in her outfits and she, Show some skin. So I was thinking, okay, one, one of those win in Rome, do what the Romans do, you know. Yeah, try like to... you're in their house, you're trying to respect the family and stuff. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then she started speaking Arabic. 
And I was, did you did you notice? Did she just come out? I was like, what? What is happening? Where where did that come from? Um, I was shocked. I really was. And then then the Wikipedia page happened, and it kind of you know diverted back to the beginning. But I was like, I didn't know Hillary knew anything about. No. um, Yeah, and apparently she didn't. She's just kind of a quick study. Well, see, that's the thing is that I thought maybe she had, you know, this was a her and jazz production where I've had, you know, relationships where I'm bringing a girlfriend to meet my mom and they'll be like, how do you say like hello in Farsi? And how do you, is there anything in Farsi that I can say to like be like impressed? Cause yeah, you can say, you know, salam is hello, whatever. Um, and like, I thought this was that where she was like, how do I say hello to your parents and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But when jazz looked at her floored, I very quickly realized Oh, Jazz had no idea any of this was happening. Right. And I and I thought he was just impressed. Like, oh, I didn't know you, you know, I didn't I didn't know you spoke the language. You know, and I that think kind he of thing. was initially. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said, Hillary, I wasn't familiar with your work. You know, and then then he got familiar and it wasn't good. You know, the, the whole dinner was awkward. And eventually the two of them have to really talk about what that was. So for some reason, they're trying to give us this storyline that Hillary comes from money, Jazz comes from more humble beginnings, and they're just so different. She does; she's not Muslim. He is, you know. They just she's an influencer. He has a job, like you know. And I just don't think they're. It's not hidden for me. They feel this feels like a couple that works. I don't know. What are we? Am I missing something? Yeah, you're. What you're missing is that I think they messed up. I think they mm-hmm. messed up this this plot completely because. They were completely and are completely fine. They yeah. fit very well. The whole thing of like, oh, jazz is like, you know, jazz might be low income and Hillary's like breaded. It never came across that way. Jazz has a whole record store and a mm-hmm. nice car. So nice that Hillary wants to borrow it. So that's not a thing here. The whole um, he's Muslim and she's not Muslim has never been a part of the storyline before of like, Oh, try my pork chops. I don't actually eat pork. It's against my religion. Like that's never that nothing like that has come up. Food wise, they've been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, hell, I mean, Jazz is out here in the clubs doing his thing, so that it's like that's not a thing. He's not like a like a modest conservative Muslim. He's mm-hmm. not. So to me, that's never been an issue. And suddenly they're trying to make us believe Jazz and Hillary, man, like they're too different. They don't mesh. Where? Yeah. <laughs> Where this, this, this feels like a good black love story to me, you know. It's just like they met, they're kind of from different backgrounds, but you know, not that not that different. Yeah, it's not yeah. that different. You know, Hillary's family is religious, you know, not as religious as uh, Jazz's family, but you know, religious enough to where she knows to respect the culture. You know, had Hillary walked in in Hillary garb, then you maybe we could be having this conversation. You and know, that's if if the her parents, his parents were like, ooh, uh, interesting dress, and you're like, okay, exactly. damn, but. It's very clear that Jazz was so shocked because it sounds to me like if she was just her, it would be no problems. Yeah. So maybe that is what this is. Maybe this is no problems. Maybe we're just looking for drama where there's none. They, they, maybe, yeah. maybe the whole story is that when they met Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv, Jazz was nervous, but he had nothing to be nervous about. And when she meets his family, she was nervous when she has nothing to be worried about. Maybe that's what it is. It's that, hey, you have nothing to be worried about, and you have nothing to worry about. Our families like each other. This is great. Now, we have heard and Viv bring up the, you're not like, you know, he's not like your other exes. I wonder if we're going to get some kind of a storyline where they bump into a Hillary ex and there's some insecurity storyline from Jazz's end. That's what I would be curious to see. Because Jazz was the one that was like, 
why are we not public? Why are you not mm-hmm. adding me on your Insta? I want people to know. Do, do, do. And then he's like dancing with other women at the club. So mm-hmm. I want to know, are we seeing who's the insecure one in this relationship? Because I feel like they're trying to make us think one of them is. Who is that? Yeah, they came to a compromise and just said, oh, yeah, we're both insecure because we're both so different. But that's why I like you. And that's why I like you. And it's like, OK, uh, this is cute. Love, black love. But also this is a television show. So spice it up. Uh, Where's the drama? Where's the drama? Um, but Puya, you did say like Jasmine, Aunt Viv, and Uncle Phil. We've never heard Uncle Phil's opinion of this. You know, Hillary keeps asking about it, mm-hmm. but Uncle Uncle Phil, like Aunt Viv, was like, "I'm not the messenger. Don't ask me about it." And she, and, she, and you know, Uncle Phil kind of been on edge lately. So I'm wondering if maybe it has something to do with Uncle Phil because it's been two episodes and he hasn't said two words about the Jazz Hillary relationship. I'm thinking that maybe he might have a different opinion of jazz or maybe something might happen to where he looks at jazz a little bit differently, or you could be right. And we'll just meet one of the exes. We're going to get Trevor. Oh my God. I want Trevor. (laughs) I want Trevor. Give me Trevor. Yeah. Give us Trevor. Um, But that's the end of the episode. That's, that's everything. I think, Uh, did we miss anything? I don't think so. I think we went through everything with a fine tooth comb. I feel like despite, you know, genuinely me thinking this episode was kind of a slower mover i think this might be our longest of the podcast so far so it worked effectively in that this episode was clearly moving the plot forward and gave us a lot to speculate about so we'll see where we go on from here um but i had fun as always so i'm not complaining yeah, when we started off, you're like, oh, you know, it was kind of this, this kind of slow episode. But I was like, oh, but I have so many questions for you. And so <laughs> I, I was like, oh, you underestimate me, Puyo. We're going to talk about this one. Uh, yeah, but I, I enjoyed it as well. Uh, not my favorite, but again, a lot of thought-provoking conversations came mm-hmm. up. And so I really appreciated that. Um, so we're going to be up to season two, episode five this week. And then we got five more weeks of Bel Air until the uh, until the show is over. And so we got to start getting ready to wrap that up. Uh, Puya, in the meantime, before we start, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you? They can find me on Twitter at Puyaism, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Puya, on YouTube, youtube.com slash Puyaism. And then as far as podcasting goes, you can find me on the 90 Day Podcast Net, um, uh, Podcast over on Rahap Ups. I just had Sasha Joseph on with me. You can yes. find me on Mass Singer Rahap Up. Liana and I just talked about Season 9, Episode 6 of Mass Singer. So that was fun. Season's been fun. And then for Big Brother, Friday mornings. You can find me talking about Big Brother Canada 11 and whatever crumbs they give me to eat. I will be there for that. And uh, you and I talked MILF Matter with Jenny and Rob this past week. And I don't think I've quite recovered yet. I can't believe they they somehow got us back in those seats once more for MILF Matter. But we did that too. Mm-hmm. Puya, for the uh, the listeners, you know, the ones that are still with us, could you explain to them what MILF Matter is? I, I'm not sure that they know. Okay, so if you do not know, uh, MILF Matter is following the lives the journeys of seven six seven older women in search for romance but they prefer younger partners and they were put on an island resort place with six or seven younger gentlemen but plot twist these younger gentlemen were their sons and they are hooking up with each other's sons and in front of each other and awkwardness ensues and they proceeded to share way too much about each other's lives in front of their sons and their moms 
Did you sleep with your son's best friend? Yes. Come on the show and tell him to his face. Cool. We'll uh, do that. Yeah. A lot of that. I don't know. Did I do a good job of it? That's it. Even just hearing you explain it makes me exhausted that we talked about it. But y'all can find that on RobHasTheWebsite.com <laughs> where you can find the rest of the podcast that I'm doing as well. Uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff here on PSR too. But on Rob has a website. I'm still talking about Netflix shows with Rob um, last week. We uh, wrapped up out last i believe so we did two parts we did uh the first two episodes and then we did the final uh whatever remainder of the episodes uh we got a dm today from one of the the, the breakout stars of outlast and I, I i'm probably gonna block her but whatever rob might talk to her um so check that out on nothing but netflix uh also was on mess magnets this week uh kirsten was out Sasha was in, and so she asked me to come in as the Kirsten backup. And so we talked about basketball drama with a basketball wife and Taylor Swift diving into a whole a whole thing. It just got really messy. Me and Sasha shared a little too much of our own lives, too. So go check that out. Uh, Downloading it mess- now. <laughs> go check that out on the Mess Magnet feeds. They say, think of the messiest bitch you know, and it's probably a man. It's probably Drake, but I'm like second or third in line. Like, I'm pretty close. So uh, check that out over there. Uh, here on Post Show Recaps, of course, we're still talking about Snowfall on the PSR Connect. Uh, and so if you are following Snowfall, it's the final season. And my, Mari, Latanya, and myself are, are all covering it um, as season six ends. Um, also, Gia Worthy and I are talking about Abbott Elementary. We're pretty close to the end of Abbott. So if you've been watching Abbott, but you haven't been listening to the podcast, what are you doing? Uh, it's go search for Abbott Elementary, a post-show recap, and subscribe to that. Um, and then something else happened. I don't know. If we, I'm missing something. But anyway, that's fine. We'll get to it eventually. I'll figure it out. Um, in the meantime, oh, over there on the PSR Connect, they're talking about Swarm. Swarm is this new uh, television yes. show. Yeah, and Latanya and Mari covered the first couple of uh, the first episode, and I think I'm jumping in at some point, you know, because that's what we do over there at the Connect. So check that out too. But yeah, follow me on Twitter at Chappelle's underscore show where you will get all of those links and more. And you get to talk to me. You can leave us some five-star reviews. Don't forget, you can tell us what you want us to talk about. Give us some topics that we can talk about on the podcast along with Bel Air. Give us your thoughts. This is an active podcast. We are a family. You know what I'm saying? We're all the Banks family here. Nobody's a Jeffrey. We're all in this together. So until next time, Puya, we out. Bye. Ah.